Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I was thrilled to be able to interview my friend Erin Wallace. She is a fellow clinical sexologist and certified sex coach. We both went through Sex Coach U and studied under Dr. Patty Britton. And Erin is the parent of a few trans teens and everyone in her house is queer in some way, shape, or form. Her, her spouse, her kids, all of them. And they live in Cumming, Georgia. So I do think it's kind of funny that a sexologist lives in Cumming, Georgia. But um, it's, uh, wow, I don't even know how to describe it. She tells the story about her town herself in her interview. She also told me about how she came into wanting to do adult sex education, partly through helping herself. She also shared some of the resources that are out there that are phenomenal for the parents of trans youth. And we had some really honest conversations about what we're seeing with protections being stripped away, whether it's LGBT youth in sports, Title IX coverage. And I was curious as a parent what kind of conversations she's had with her kids and her spouse. I knew going into this interview that I was going to hear some pretty harrowing stories or anecdotes about things that she's experienced, but y'all, have you ever had a preacher call your house and harass you? You ever had someone stop you on the street tell you, you, you got to get right with God and you're not living your life right. Like, I mean, so it's just so baffling to me that the party that acts like they value freedom so hard just don't give a fuck about everyone else having the freedom to live their lives the way they see fit. The fuck do y'all think that freedom means? <laughs> For real. Freedom means that we each get to live our lives the way that we choose. What works for us, we get to have... The job we want, we hopefully get to live in a place we want. But you know what? For those of us that chose to stick around in our hometowns, we choose to live in an area that's not as progressive as some others. Comrades are few and far between. You know, friends that'll support you sometimes aren't there to be found. We have to rely upon our network on the internet or in other cities. And Aaron and I did discuss, like, where's the line you know where does she decide that it's been enough that they fought the good fight but their their safety or their health is more important how many of you all have had to have that kind of conversation with your kids or your spouse I bet not many of you so even if you are not the parent of trans teens and you don't have a queer person in your household as far as you know This conversation is still going to be valuable to you because I hope that it just shows you someone else's humanity. That's the whole point of this podcast is to tell people's stories so that no matter what, regardless of whether or not you've walked a mile in my guests or my shoes, hopefully you gain some insight and keep building that empathy muscle, which is so necessary in today's world. I would like to take a moment to thank 
all of my friends in the region in Kansas and Missouri, uh, it, there were people on both sides of the state line who were uh, phone banking. They were door knocking. They were putting up signs. They were they had stickers on their cars. All the things like y'all made vote no happen in Kansas. There was for those of you who may not know. There was a referendum on the primary ballot August 2nd in Kansas that was defeated. That referendum would have changed the state's constitution to remove bodily autonomy, giving the state legislature the power to potentially ban abortion. Bodily autonomy has been written into that constitution since its inception because it is a free state. It was intended to make sure that no one could be made a slave in that state, that no one could tell another human being what they can and cannot do with their bodies. So cheers to you, Kansas. Thank you for remaining a free state. It also gave us all some inspiration out there. I can tell you, I went this last weekend to the Woodhole Sexual Freedom Summit in Washington, D.C., presented by the Woodhole Sexual Freedom Foundation. Everyone there was talking about Kansas. Everyone there was using Kansas as an example. We even had Rachel O'Leary Carmona, who is the executive director of the Women's March, as our uh, keynote speech on Saturday morning. And even she mentioned the feat that Kansas pulled off. It was a 60 to 40% split for the nose. It was the most voters that had turned out since 2012, not just in a primary, but in any election even a general election since 2012. So one of two things happened, maybe both. Progressive voters got activated because there was finally a reason to show up to the fucking polls. Or two, there's more Republicans out there that are pro-choice than we give them credit for. Either way, thank you, Kansas, for voting no. There were a lot of people out there that went home and or called their parents and had some serious conversations and let them know about their abortion stories. Uh, you know, people talk to their friends that were in Kansas to make sure they knew how to vote. I know I did that lots of times because the ballot language was really confusing. I made sure that people that I knew knew what was going on and knew that they needed to show up to the polls and knew how they should vote based on their beliefs. So cheers, y'all. Grassroots organizing works and there's a lot of work ahead of us. So perhaps today's conversation will inspire you to get more active. Uh, perhaps it'll inspire you to run for school board. Perhaps it'll inspire you to maybe just, just show up for the meetings and have some people's backs because only the crazies like to show up to those things. We need some normal folks there too. But yeah, we need y'all showing up in big ways from now on. So get out there and get fucking active, people. It's the beginning of the month, so of course, please, if you're in Kansas City, do catch my article in the pitch. The newest issue is out on newsstands, and what you'll see in print is a guide all about contraceptives called Coitus Interruptus. It'll be up online soon. Also, I wrote an online article. I interviewed Pamela Merritt, who is with Medical Students for Choice. I really hope to get her on my podcast soon. That article is online and you can go to any of my social media channels and check out the link in my bio. Well, except Facebook, they don't do link in bio. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok though, you can find that there. Yeah, please read the article. <laughs> please read the article. Again, it was called Contraception in a Dark Time. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I appreciate you very, very much. Enjoy my interview with Aaron Wallace. 
I have the pleasure of being joined by a fellow sex coach, you grad. In fact, we met in Los Angeles at a SAR, which is a workshop that clinical sexologists, sex therapists, sex educators, just anyone in our field, really, if you're not required by your program, you need to get out and take one of these SARS on your own. We'll probably talk about that today, but Aaron, Aaron Wallace, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is incredible. It brings me right back to California, which was probably top 10 of my best times in my entire life, for sure. The it was learning. A wonderful week. Oh weekend. my goodness. The camaraderie, just all of it. All of it was incredible. So, and you, and you were simply incredible and I've watched your journey and it has been fucking amazing. So I am thrilled and honored to be with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I remember, remember it was your anniversary weekend and y'all stayed in room 69, didn't you? Yes, we did. That is so awesome. You remember, and somehow it always seems to be the rooms we get. So uh, I feel like that's a universe thing. Like, thank you so much. But yes, it was our anniversary. I gosh, I don't even remember which anniversary. We're coming up on 13 years. So was whatever like, that was. That was like 2017. Yeah, yeah 2017. Yeah, yeah that, so. that weekend was, I, I talk about it on the show here and there with that. Fabulous weekend. Just fabulous weekend. Just the learning experiences, the people have the... Absolutely. It was a catalyst. So Erin is a, as I said, fellow clinical sexologist and she practices internationally, much like I do. And her focus is a little bit different. I'm, you know, more on the relationships, dating, that kind of stuff. Whereas Erin helps LGBT youth with sex education and has also found a niche right now in helping sex trafficking survivors. So we've definitely got some interesting things to talk about. In addition, Erin is the parent of two trans teens, adolescents, however we want to label them. But that, that journey is certainly unique. Now, it's, it's one thing to help educate other people's kids or you know, children in the community, but to walk your own kids through that experience and to learn on your own, that's, that's a whole different thing. So I'm so glad you're on the show today to talk about some of these topics. Absolutely. Cannot wait. Gosh, where do we start? First of all, can you can you tell me a little bit about you? You had a nursing background and you've made mm-hmm. a switch. So, what inspired you to get more involved in sex education? Um, kind of like what we talked about the the knowledge part of it and learning myself and my family, especially when it comes to the sex education part. It was right after Jay came out in general as a queer child, um, that was in seventh grade. So that was also to, that was 2016 and he came out and I was like, okay, you know, no big deal. Cause it was no big deal because I just had a very, very clinical background anyway. So of course it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. Not the same story for a lot of children here, but for us, it was like, okay, cool. So, you know, do your thing, explore. Great. Beautiful. But it made me want to explore a little bit more. And during that, I learned so much more about myself, which is kind of the background of being in the mental health field anyway, was to learn about my experience, my childhood stuff. That's how I came into the sex education realm in general, um, was just, you know, education. So if I'm going to read and research about it, may as well have a degree in it. (laughs) That's kind of Mm -hmm. been my consensus with anything that I've 
wanted to learn. Um, especially once, you know, it came down to finding out that, you know, he had a whole group of kids that were just tormented at school, like absolutely tormented. And so I was like, I have to learn about this and I have to educate these other parents as much as I can, which was definitely not the success I hoped it would be. It became more of a, a safe haven for these children when they are at my house, somewhere they can use their pronouns, they can use their real names rather than constant dead naming. And it just has spiraled into that. And now they call me Mama Wallace and all this other stuff. So Aww. it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. So yeah, there's the more I learned, the next certificate or degree I would get in it. Very good. That's you and I know what the studies show about LGBT youth. But for a lot of you listening out there, if there is just one affirming adult in their life, it reduces suicidality or attempts and it helps. It's not just about reducing their attempts for suicide or their their thoughts about suicide. It's about helping them recognize that it does get better, that they're not alone in this world, that hopefully one day they're going to get out of whatever place they may be that's not accepting of them. But yeah, it takes just one adult. So if you are that one adult in those kids' lives, like, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the learning really comes from them more than any book, more than any course I've taken. I learn more from them than just watching them, just interacting with them and listening, just literally listening to them. And they just, the stuff that they deal with, it is absolutely horrific. It's horrific. And if you could hear these kids, I would hope it would change your mind because if it wouldn't, then that's a whole different subject. But if it can just make you think or look at a website for heaven's sake, just anything, just do one good thing rather than letting your opinion spill into them, you would see, you would see that the whole, this is not the bad thing you're making it. Mm -hmm. These children care. They, they are, they are, they are the future, and we're not pouring into them, and they're having to figure it out themselves. And damn it, if they're not, they are figuring it out themselves, and that's just sad to me. Mm-hmm. It's sad mm-hmm. and incredible at the same time. It's really a strange mix of feelings. <laughs> yeah. Besides you, where do you think that they're? Where are they going to learn more about themselves and about their friends and just about their identities in general? Um, there, there are all obviously amazing resources out there for them. The Trevor Project has an amazing list of resources. Um, locally, they can, you know, do a P flag. The problem is, is depending on their age, a lot of this takes parent interaction or guardian interaction because they're not all parents per se. Whatever grown up is, you know, supporting these kids, they they lessen their chances of getting accurate information by being so adamantly against it so a lot of it's the internet and we know we've seen that just sex education in general porn Mm -hmm. and everything else which are not inherently bad but they need a mix of the healthy stuff the accurate stuff and I think that these parents and these guardians not allowing them to explore that is reducing the amount of knowledge that they get greatly greatly reducing it yeah now you're in Georgia. So while it's, uh, it's blue right now, uh, we, we know it's history. You know, I kind of had the opposite here in Missouri where I 
grew up in pretty much a blue state and it switched. Um, so I'm kind of having to deal with uh, opposite ramifications. I hope it stays blue for you. I, ho- I hope it turns back blue here, at least one purple, but like, I mean, are, are you finding that a lot of your kids in your area are having to just wait it out? Are they having to like leave home? Like what, what are, what are youth in your area? Really? What are the circumstances they're sort of facing right now with unsupportive families? Oh, I think the, the one that tugs at my heart the most is the ones with unsupportive families. They're facing having to watch their rights be stripped away by themselves with, with each other, but not with the supportive family. And that takes a toll that does cause trauma that will have to be addressed in their future. So that makes me just horrifically sad because I'm scared to death. I'm watching this legislation come down, even just with Roe v. Wade that was a huge emotional day in our home. Like there have been so many of these emotional days that are not good. They're yeah. horrifying. Um, so I think them watching their possible protections being stripped away. I, I can't even, I, it just, it's very emotional. Yeah. They're educated. They, the ones that I know are really good or they they will absolutely just text me and ask what does this mean um a lot of our anti-lgbt laws here are around youth and sport Mm -hmm. so they they're really a lot of them are really good at like looking at the facts and educating me on that because my stance on things such as that are i don't care about your sports i don't care i care about this human's life and if that affects your sports, which is an ignorant stance anyway, because it doesn't, then we've got way bigger issues. Like we have children that are not protected by Title IX. Mm-hmm. I, and those are the bigger issues here. So it's hard to get that point across. And I know how frustrating it is when these youth are trying to talk to their families and getting nowhere. Yeah. Because we actually have that same situation with our families. Yeah. But we're not children. <laughs> Yeah, I got into it with someone from my high school about, you know, Title IX and and trans, specifically trans girls in sports. Yeah. And the things she kept saying, I was like, you, you're not getting it. You keep saying girls in sports, girls, these are girls. Trans they girls don't even are realize girls. It. They are girls. They, <laughs> they do that. They talk in circles and don't even realize they're affirming what we're saying anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want there to be boys and girl sports and maybe there needs to be something in the middle it's just all genders it's genderless sure. you know do we really need to have a gendered softball team cat whatever these little <laughs> things are that we don't want to mess with nobody's money <laughs> oh, all that mean, effect and you can't have boys and girls in the same di- i don't know oh, track, track teams do sense. it it's just it's all ridiculous <laughs> and, teams do it exactly but i participated in sports mm-hmm. and had there been a trans girl, like on my tennis team or on my volleyball team, I'm smart enough now to recognize that that girl most likely started her journey with hormone blockers or changes like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That they don't develop in the way that a typical teen boy does. So all these people thinking that a boy is going to go through a transition just to win a medal or a trophy. And they honestly think that, right? It's it's horrifying. 
Like, I mean, you really think that they're going to go through all this stuff? Do you really think it's easy to be a trans youth? So someone's just going to do it to get a sports scholarship? And it doesn't no. even work that way. Right. The statistics are showing like that's not affecting their actual stats sports wise. No. It, no. They're, they have no basis other than they ju- they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, your comfort should not decide a person's life, their actual life. <laughs> Exactly. This, this is a this is a complete non-issue. It's a complete non-issue that they've made into an issue. Meanwhile, there are hate crimes just bursting out everywhere. Yes. There, I mean, to me, the right has become just modern day terrorists Absolutely. in every way, shape, or form. Every I way, mean, shape, or form. When they say Christian nationalism, it makes my stomach turn because that is exactly where where we're headed. Mm-hmm. that's what marjorie it's taylor green said she wanted over the weekend she said she oh, was a proud christian Georgia. nationalist oh man man yeah well yeah. fingers okay. crossed we keep going down a more progressive path but we've got to get voters activated right we we do so yeah, and thank, thank, <laughs> honestly thank god for gen z are, oh are they gonna gosh. are they gonna gen be what z. saves us absolutely it's the only chance we fucking got right so yeah <laughs> Absolutely, they're going to be the ones to save us. Think about the unlearning of our trauma that they're doing from from us millennials on down. Like they are having to unlearn so much and they are doing it. They're not, you know, they're not taking it sitting down. They're out there doing it. And I think that's beautiful. And like I said, frankly, about the only hope we have. Yeah. And I I do think about how beautiful the changes. Yes, a lot of shit's really fucked up right now, y'all. But I graduated in 99. We didn't have trans students in our school. We didn't have non-binary students in our school. We had one girl in my high school. She was a year behind me who came out as a lesbian her freshman year. And that poor girl went through hell. Absolute hell. So just to think about from the late 90s, having one out gay student. And obviously, you know, 20 years down the road, there's plenty of gay people in my class. Not one of them was out in high school. And they're openly gay. Yeah, I understand why they weren't out mm-hmm. then. I'm happy for them. The world has allowed them to, to be themselves. And I'm happy that that's trickling down and that more and more young people have the space and the support. There's a lot of work to do. There's still room to change, still room to grow, y'all. But it's something. They're doing it. And there's people like me and you and everybody we were in California with and all of those people that are giving them the space to do that as best we can. Yeah. There's a lot of pushback because what they're scared. They're scared of exactly what you just said. These people were there. These people were there, whether we got to see them authentically or not, because they had to protect their lives. They've been here. This isn't new. This is ancient civilizations mm-hmm. where they were not, cre- these gen, the gen Z did not create gay people. Right. We did not create the queer community. Correct. We've been here. We've always been here, but now we have an opportunity for visibility and we're not going backwards. That's right. We're just I, not. And they're scared. Yeah. And that's where all this pushback is coming from. But ultimately I hope that it does not succeed in any more ways than it has because it's already been devastating mm-hmm. and is devastating for a lot of the people that would be my clients, you know, with access to abortions at very young ages or, you know, just the actual medical medical term of abortion as, you know, what's happening 
whenever you are pregnant. So mm-hmm. yeah. that has affected us incredibly. Yeah. I do not think that these, these youth are going to let this go any further. I don't either. I don't, either. I just don't think they are going to. I don't, and I really don't. I mean, like some people's perspectives and the things that they say about, oh, well, back in the day, they yeah. are looking at such a narrow view. Like, you know, they take marriage, for instance, your grandmothers didn't leave your grandfathers. Yeah. Cause they couldn't get a bank account. They wouldn't get a house. No one would rent to a woman with kids. There were so many things, so many protections our grandmothers didn't have. And then mm-hmm. they also say that about gay kids or trans kids or just anyone LGBTQIA, those people didn't used to exist. Actually, they just erased your, or tore the page out that had redid it. That had like the, you know, the births because they mm-hmm. didn't want uncle Steve to exist anymore. Cause they, uh, Oh yeah. Of course not in their Bible family tree, you know, at the beginning right? of the Bible where you got all that family stuff going on. Yeah. Yep. They either, you know, crossed <laughs> it out, ripped the page out and redid the page that, you know, your sweet little neighbors that were two little old ladies that were roommates weren't really roommates. Uh, yeah, we still you, have those here in this community that are still considered roommates. It's like, oh my goodness gracious, y'all. They're not roommates. Right. They're not roommates. Right. <laughs> but if you th- if that's what protects them, then hell yes, they are. They are just roommates. I've never seen anything else. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or, he, or he had some some family member that just move to another country once upon a time because they couldn't be themselves, you know? Right. Like that shit used to and How many people's stories do you think that is? So many. So the many. I have a feeling that my grandmother had an aunt named Jane and oh. Jane was considered a spinster because at her, you know, 24th birthday or whatever, she wasn't married. So oh. she went to live in San Francisco to be a nanny. I have a feeling that she was probably gay because, you know, back something then, was there. Something, right? something was there, right? <laughs> something e- either yeah. she had very high standards, which good on her, and the, the men around were just trash, mm-hmm. <laughs> or she mm-hmm. just didn't want a man. So she went which to San totally Francisco. totally okay also. Yep. So she went and to beautiful. San Francisco in the late 1800s where she could just be herself or early 1900s. Right. So she, I might have a lesbian in my lineage that went to San Francisco to help make it a happier, gayer place. And participated in heaven knows what kind of amazing marches and all this Who stuff that knows? helped, you know, get us to vote and all that that we do get to do now. Yeah. Hopefully it's not at risk, you know, like having a bank account. <laughs> right. I need to find out more about Aunt Jane. Yeah, you do. See There's some digging to be now. done there. Right. I feel like yeah, our family like lineage, is. I don't believe is that cool. I mean, you were talking about, you know, queer people in your school. I knew queer people, but it was very, you know, more when it was cool, like, you know, how cute, you know, how cool two girls kissing, things like that. It was more a fetishized fetishized thing. Mm -hmm. So, but I will tell you this, being from coming Georgia, I was in high school when the first black person came to our school. It was in the papers. And this is, let's see, like had to be late 90s early 2000s like maybe two, I graduated in 2003 had to be like 99 to 2000 wow and but we've been on Oprah there's a horrific amazingly horrific book called Blood at the Roots that is all about our you know trail of terror in race that is somebody's got to make this place not that that night 
be, it needs to be our history because it never needs to be forgotten, but they, they shouldn't be scared. BIPOC people shouldn't be scared to come here now. Yeah. We should have overcame that. Yeah. And we're not, we're not there. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly not there on queer people. Mm-hmm. I'm curious between your community, your state, country, all that stuff. As a parent, what sort of conversations have, have you had to have about if this happens, then we'll do this or like safety concerns, just all the things that you've, what's kind of had to, what have those real conversations had to be like? Those real conversations are dialogue. They are every single day dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're teenagers. They want to leave. Um, they want to go hang out and do normal teenage things. And it automatically comes with, I mean, with the oldest, 18, she, it it has to go into people catcalling and being inappropriate and what your surroundings. And this is something that she has to deal with every day, Mm -hmm. just working. People are walking up to her saying inappropriate things. Like it's horrific and horrible. And so those conversations are literally had nightly when she gets home from work, um, you know, tools, concealed tools, weapons, um, like pepper spray and lipstick knives. Like those are all part of our life as uterus owners. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to Jay who's 17 and trans. Um, Jay is actively transitioning trans. And so it is at the park, you know, don't go to the bathroom by yourself. I fear like if we're out to eat, watching him go to the bathroom and use his bathroom is the most terrifying thing on earth. It is the counting down the second constantly looking like I wanna be right next to the bathroom because I need to see him go in and see him go out. The the things that happen just simply because he's using the bathroom that he identifies with. Um, My youngest one is non-binary, not transitioning actively or anything like that. They're perfectly great with non-binary, they, them pronouns. but has a very, uh, I don't even know how you would put this. Um, she, they're 15 and their body's like mine. Mm-hmm. Very, um, for some gross reason, I catch into the wrong people. And so those are things, I don't want them out of my sight. And they're 15, 17 and 18. And I, I'm losing my grasp on that. So I can handle parenting queer kids nobody in this house is straight not one single one of us is straight (laughs) and and, and if they are we're okay with that we'll accept them for being heterosexual if they if they want to be that but we're very happily non-conforming at this point in life and it's beautiful that's not the problem the problem is they're growing up and going out into this world and I don't have as much control. I can't do what I've always done. I can't get, get an ACLU lawyer and go be the mama bear and fight constantly. I can always do it in the background, but they're learning to do this on their own. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> that's the skill set I don't have. <laughs> raising little had activists. Skills, raising little activists, for sure. I mean, and that's what they are. And they fight against the grain and they do it with this candor and this you know, this verbiage that is like, where did this even come from here in this county? Like, and they can absolutely hold their own with the best of them. I love that. I'm still terrified for them. 
it's like, like I said, like you wake up thinking about, okay, now what do we got going on today? What's going to be our place? What's going to be our exit strategy? Because there always has to be an exit strategy. Where do we meet? What buttons do you put? Like it's constantly that way. And to the point where it has put me in the house. Like I leave as bare minimum as possible with them and sit here and worry. <laughs> and that's, a, that's pretty much what it has come down to worry and research constantly every legislation, every house bill that could potentially take anything away. But in all of that, even if it doesn't, there's still the humans here that hate us and have made it very, very known by swastikas and death threats and you name it, we've received it. And it makes it really hard to live. Mm -hmm. So that would, that's a whole different exit strategy. So with everything that's going to happen, do we have to have an exit to a different country? Mm -hmm. And the answer is we do. And we have to be constantly on the ready if that has to happen. Mm -hmm. And files. And I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's strategic, <laughs> but it is there. Yeah. Yeah. My partner and I have recently had some conversations about, you know, based on what I do and both of us are queer that, yeah, if it really does turn fascist, that I've got a target on my back. Oh, hundred percent. You do. Yeah. So. And a changed. Somebody changed. Somebody, all these people came together and somehow changed your town into this. So to me, that seems like potentially, it, it would seem like a little bit more scary because there's more active, you know, incentive to continue to keep it red. Yeah. I'm lucky that I'm in Kansas City, which is fairly liberal, but it doesn't take that far of a drive to get out right. of the areas. Yeah. And if you get off the wrong road. Right. What are prides like? Are the prides in oh, pride those events? This year. Or yeah, Pride this year, we barely had a Pride last year because of COVID, oh, but COVID, Prides yeah. are usually like really, really well attended. I think they've still got some stuff to work on to get it back up to yeah. the kind of festival life that it sort of was beforehand, but Kansas City does have a, a very well attended Pride parade. And our, our mayor, you know, he's, he had, he formed an LGBTQ commission um, last year. Okay. So that's, or it was two years ago. I think it was definitely during COVID, but um, it's a little liberal bastion, but you know, we're also right next door to Kansas, which is right. trying to swiftly constitutionally ban abortion because they're one of the few states that actually has bodily autonomy written into the state constitution because of yeah, yeah. slavery. So, right. Uh, yeah. Free state, no more. Maybe after August 2nd, fingers crossed. It's neck and neck. They're, they're so close. The vote. No is vote. Ooh. No. If you're in Kansas, vote. No to the constitutional vote change. No. Yeah, yeah. Vote. No. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, whether we so move sorry. to another state or we move to another country, we've talked about both plans. Yeah. So. That's terrifying. That's terrifying that we have to have that. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, and it's not to deal with a matter of opinions. It is literally life or death. Mm -hmm. that, that's the biggest frustration to me is obviously they're my kids. I think they're fucking amazing and they are, but I'm not coming at you and your parenting style. And some of the specific people that have come after us, trust me, I could go after them on their parenting styles, but I'm not going to do that. 
this isn't a matter of letting your kids drink or not, which I completely and wholly disagree with. This is a matter of my child having the right to exist. So no, we don't get to sit around and discuss that like you have any right or have any idea what you're talking about just because your religion says no. Your religion that doesn't say no, mm-hmm. you just made say no, says no. <laughs> oh my God. I grew up Baptist and people that try to come at me with the religious argument. I love being able to quote scripture back at them and be like, actually absolutely right. incorrect interpretation right there. So I love that you can do that. Yeah, I do. I do it all the time I, and, and have had serious, but, and then it's once they realize I don't know, you've probably seen this on my Facebook. This is the reason I'm taking a Facebook break is I put anything in here. They all come out of the woodwork, okay? And it is the literal same things over and over and over. It's like, you think I haven't battled this one yet? All I got to do is go copy and paste. For God's sake, this is happening constantly. You're saying the same things over and over that are wrong. They're actually Mm -hmm. wrong. They're just wrong. I don't know what else to tell you, but we're not fighting about it anymore because I'm not getting anywhere with you. I too grew up Southern Baptist. I have read multiple translations of the Bible. The, obviously the one that they like to go by here is the King James version. Yep. Okay. Well, I can pretty much quote it. So where do you want to go from that? I and then let's King go back James to 1876. Right <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. Ooh, I've, I've had to do some reading of the Christian literature in my home because I support it for anybody who doesn't use it for hate because if then that's the case then I just don't have any <laughs> I have no room for you but if it brings you joy and it makes you happy that is beautiful and that is fine it's not mine I don't want it I don't need it to be a good person I'm just yeah. going to be a good person and in fact it does opposite for the most of these people they use it, it worse it makes them worse. So I'm going to go do all this bad shit, but I get to repent. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You're gross. <laughs> yeah. Or that they it's get to do okay. all this bad shit or say terrible, vile things to other human beings for the sake of their book and their God. Like, no. I'm pretty sure in the Bible that there's some passages about the words you say and oh, how you should treat don't know those. people and... <laughs> They're not using those passages. No, they're not. And, <laughs> they're and not. Another, you're right. And another thing out there for anyone that may be listening who who is a Christian who's going, well, those people just aren't real Christians. Let me mm-hmm. say this to you. They think they're real Christians. That's right. They think that they're following their book. They think they're following their God, which is the same one that you are following. So come get your people. They're out of control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what represents. And sorry, guilty by association, whatever. I don't care what they are. They're horrible people and they're threatening to my family's life. So yes, I am very upset at religion right now. Typically, I just don't care. Typically, I'm very neutral. Do your own thing. But it is literally affecting our ability to live. So I have a problem with it. I have a big problem with it. I am the exact same way. I used to just sort of turn a blind eye and now I'm actively like, hey, go fuck yourself. Oh, 100%. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it's so deeply personally, personal. Spirituality yeah. in general to me is deeply personal or not having spiritual, all your choice. But that is to be done on your own, no matter what religion it says that. So do that on your own and then leave everybody else alone. Yep. And because nobody's using anything but religion, any anti LGBT legislator is all based on religion nobody can give anything based on anything 
like actual science or yeah. same with the abortion stuff. Nothing. It's the exact same exactly. thing with the abortion stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And what science they try to use for it is just wrong. It's just actually wrong. Yeah. Somebody, I mean, we can all Google pretty damn quick. Why ain't y'all Googling this? What, you're just blindly listening to someone. I wouldn't do that with anything. Nothing. Fact check or something. I don't even know. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. I think Fox News has a lot to do with brainwashing. I'm watching that in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, I lost my dad to Fox News for real. That's how I feel. Okay. They, well, completely, you would be. Yeah. They completely Cole, brainwashed you my would, dad. You and Cole should talk because that's literally where his dad's at. We have his mom. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to my parents at all. They're horribly toxic people. And I have I've successfully exited them from my life. Good. Um, Cole's parents were all we had. They were beautifully all we had and amazing. They were absolutely amazing people. And his dad, Cole, came out and he, I have permission to say anything that I'm saying about my family. <laughs> so a lot through Jay. Jay's beautiful transition brought this, you know, sense of bravery to our house. And it's like, oh, so Cole came out. Um, they, them pronouns, he, they mm-hmm. pronouns. Um, I, he doesn't really fit into any bubble, more just cross-dresser kind of situation mm-hmm. so kind of non-binary it's hard to add you know like label completely for him but beautifully supported in our house not by his dad mm-hmm. has literally absolutely wholly cut us completely out of his life mm-hmm. um still hoping for a change because I know that he doesn't understand completely but when he's ready to listen we're ready to educate um his mom who is devoutly Christian and is one of those people who's genuinely good it genuinely brings her joy. And I think that that is beautiful. So it's hard when we're talking about religion, because I don't want to hurt her feelings because she has been our rock, but she also educated herself. She was teachable and she stuck outside advice on a way to connect with her son and her grandson and other grandchildren, even though she doesn't understand them. And that's all that anybody can ask for. We're not asking that you even support should you yes but we'll get there we'll get there but to educate yourself that's a beautiful thing yeah and she did that and that's all that we could have asked and um so yeah family is difficult family and community around here it's all very difficult Mm -hmm. very different we think of those are the things that we had to think about and when we go to sleep is who do we have when if something happens to us if I don't even like being in the same car with Cole and going anywhere because what if something happens to both of us who do they have there's nobody that will let them be them and we're lucky that they're getting old enough mm-hmm. I cannot imagine if they were even younger I would mm-hmm. literally I'd be committed <laughs> I wouldn't even be here right now I don't even know what would happen if I had to think about that and then being little mm-hmm. well, I'm so glad you've got his mom being supportive and it sounds like she came from both a place of curiosity but also more importantly a place of love Oh, and it is, and that's exactly love. And they lost a son and so they have Cole and it, there's a lot of trauma there, mm-hmm. but just the fact that she tries, mm-hmm. even going through everything that she's going through her, I know her fear. Her fear is that eternal life situation. What 
about our eternal life. And it's kind of like pretty much we have to agree to disagree and say we are focused on our life here and now. That's all that we can do. And our life here and now is not going to be okay with killing people because of who they are. Yeah. And she's watching it. I, I She will say things and it's like, oh, you heard this at church. I know you heard this at church. Like if we, like I said, we have to have exit plans mm-hmm. and she has to, she's like supportive of that. And that scares me because it's like, you know, something you would not be supportive of that if you didn't know something. And that is absolutely just mind boggling to me mm-hmm. that these, I, I, you could I imagine that it's being had at church. I've watched it all over every social media platform, all these preachers blasting their disgusting hate, but I know she's actually had to hear that. Mm-hmm. And you can just see it. And that makes it very complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure that there's Christians out there that are struggling with not not even necessarily their, their faith and loving their grandchildren, but participating in the, with the people, you know, their, their faith doesn't tell them there's anything wrong with gay kids, their minister, their church, the people (laughs) Uh, around them, pundits, religious leaders, Joel Osteen, those people misinterpret the Bible. Purposely, I think. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely because they, they are participating in the culture war absolutely they're participating right. in the culture well, war. and it's even financial for them it comes down to being you know worth it it's lucrative for them to do this they are making bank off of it from people you know in uh, i know people in this community that are very into that's how you tithe and blah 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 it's like that is absolutely against everything that the actual bible says but if you want it, you can have it. As long as you're not, again, hating on my family, then whatever. But the problem is they do. I've had preachers call us at home and tell us, like at home, I've had them call me on my business number. Oh my. Yeah. This is something that, and all of a sudden people are, we have a, a progress flag outside, flag outside of our house. Mm-hmm. Definitely rid ourselves of the American flag because I'm not proud of that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of what that represents right now. Same. So we've had people come by. I mean, all of a sudden, everybody's wanting us to go to church and all the revivals and it's been, um, and, and, you know, people call it, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's like, you're not changing me, but I will gladly have a conversation with you and try to educate you. But then it's sometimes it's like, is this a waste of breath? I'm such a smart ass that I would be like, oh my gosh, you want me to come to your revival to teach your people about how to accept queer folks? Thank you. And they'd be like, that's I'm smart. Like, no, but, but I thought you were to do that. You liked my flag. You liked my flag. I thought you. Well, were. they did kick me out of doing all the children's ministries, which was great and fine because I realized that's not where I want to be. And even when I was in children's ministry, I was not teaching. I wasn't quoting scripture or anything like that. I was teaching them to be kind. Like mm-hmm. we did acts of service. Mm-hmm. We and did good things. And that's always been more my goal. But I realized that I don't have to have religion to do those things. And in fact, religion stifles me in a lot of the kindness that I can spread. Yep. So let's find a different tell- way to be with the community. Because if it's telling you that you need to find a specific group of people and not mm-hmm. be kind to them, that's yep. not kind. That's not kind. 
and I'm not interested in that. <laughs> like, and that's, I will say that's been my biggest regret of parenting. We got, we got, we didn't do a lot, right? Like everything's been chaos, especially the past few years. Like I was saying, we've had addiction, mental illness, self-harm, you know, sexual assault. There's been everything that you could pack in to an entire lifetime in the past three years. Mm. And so we've made mistakes. We have been definitely um, distracted in ways that we shouldn't have been and focusing on things we should have been focusing on and did not follow our original goals of parenting on a lot of different topics. The ones we did the, are the, mo- the ones that I will not be apologetic for are being sex positive and teaching our children that they can be who they are, no matter who that is. Those are the things that we got right. <laughs> we got those right. Yeah. And we're going to celebrate that because we absolutely did that right. They are who they are. And that takes a lot of chaos off the table. Mm-hmm. The other chaos that can be handled is chaos and just the human condition and all that good stuff. And it'll eventually work its way out with a whole lot of work. But this one, like, we don't have to add that in. Yeah. We don't have to add in having to go to church and pretend to be something that we're not because that's what everybody I know is doing on Sunday pretending that whatever happened Saturday night didn't happen because I've been there and watched it. I've literally physically been in these crowds that are doing all this stuff on Saturday night and then going to church on Sunday morning. And it gets a little bit weird. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then literally antagonizing us about having a trans child and saying things like, Oh, well, I just don't agree. Well, okay. You don't, you don't agree, agree on my child's existence. You don't <laughs> agree. Like, how can you sit there and look me in the face and say that? And I am, Oh, I'm to the point. I am very like, I'm not, I don't care if you don't agree. This is a fact you are ignorant, but I'm going to try to be nice and change the subject. In, in my head, I'm literally pulling every hair out of your head right now, but we're going to try and they won't let you. They will not let you try. They will keep pushing to the point where it is no return. And that has ended every single, you know, very surface friendship that we had here anyway. But we've had to literally excommunicate from it because it's not us antagonizing. We are perfectly fine with just going and sitting and listening to good music. But they want, they think that they're going to change us somehow. And it just becomes, that's the focus of every kind of event here so you can't go be in the community you can't you you can't really have friends here you have to go to Atlanta and that's what we do we go to Atlanta and it's like 45 we're about 45 minutes north and go and blend we can blend in Atlanta we stand out here so we're not hanging out here (laughs) and that's been our life the kids have their groups and you know like we said Gen Z is, is like the the tree it's like the extension like we have us and then they have them and all these little limbs coming off of them because they they know how to find their community and that's beautiful that that exists within this place because this place sucks and so it's like they have that and that's like another learning thing from them learning from them on how to find your community or your tribe or whatever mm-hmm. you know group of people you want to call it and they found them <laughs> And I guess we will eventually will too. Yes. Yes. May not and be I, in coming Georgia, but. It ain't going to be in coming Georgia. <laughs> it ain't going to be here. It isn't. And I've, and I realized that I realized that by social media, I realized that with the lack of people who called to check 
when all this stuff was going on, if you know us, then you know that that day that Roe v. Wade was overturned, you know that day was emotional as fuck in this house. Nobody checked on us. And they know that they were coming after LGBT rights. They know that because that's what they want. And that's what Clarence Thomas said in his uh, supporting decision that we need to take a look at Obergefell again. Obergefell, I mean, Griswold, they're all, Griswold. Of, them, all of them. Well, he did, under he, he did he did not specifically say Gris, or loving. So he wants to come oh. after Griswold and he wants to come after Obergefell, but he didn't say loving the Virginia. And that's why he's married to a white woman. Oh, why? why? Okay, okay. Well, like, so yeah, it's yeah, like the Bible. You, it's say the that. same thing. Now we're picking law that fit us the same thing we do with the bible we're going to pick verses that suit us and now we're going to pick laws literally that suit us personally and fuck everybody else how is that a democracy in any way it's not it's a theocracy it's a absolutely theocracy. the thing that so many of them don't understand is that the freedom of religion means freedom from religion as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and i these autocrats have basically made it to where they're like you know what i think that I think that so many people in power have actually utilized and used people who are religious because they, they just want power and theocracy mm. is going to be the way that they do it. Um, but I think a lot of the people in power don't actually believe the Bible. You know, no, they just, they just use it as a way to like, this is a way for me to get power and this is a way for me to get votes. Right. So. Because look at the people following it because that's what these people believe. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're going to rope them in. Yeah. If Trump actually believed and followed Ew. the Bible, he'd be a, a pretty different person, actually. You know, yeah. so uh, got to yeah. say that he can't actually say he's read a single line in that book. Or, I mean, like I said, religion to me is like, it just doesn't make you a good person. Maybe you think it does, but you're doing everything. Maybe opposite, generations so. ago. I don't know. There were some people like, and like you say, your mother-in-law is a real nice person. And like, I loved my grandma. She was a great, she was a wonderful person. Yeah. And she is who I learned to truly love everyone from. But those are the ones that are few and far between mm-hmm. those original, like really honestly think that it is how you be good. And so they do it. Mm-hmm. And they fall, everyone falls short because we're humans, not because we're not, you know, God or whatever. You fall short of the glory and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, we fall short because we're humans. And so, no, do I think that there's anybody out there fully able to go 100% by the Bible? No, that's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But there's a difference in just being human and picking out ways to justify your hate. And your violence is it's beyond a feeling. It is an action. Yeah. It is actual physical violence. And that part, and this isn't, those are things that it's not, I just see, or I just hear, or I just hear of. I have seen it. I have seen the Bible be used to hurt people. Mm-hmm. I have seen literal Christian groups attack my child. Like, what is it? The FCA, the Fellowship mm-hmm. of Christian Athletes. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Came they, after your kid. That whole came after him. And so it's like mm, I have I have a hard time with your guilty by association point of that part. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is I think based here in Kansas City. Really? And I don't think they have much of an influence up here. 
Um, but they're right off I-70 across from the stadiums, across from like our, uh, like the Royals and Chiefs stadiums. I've seen there before. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause we did competition cheerleading for a little while in our church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, we were involved. We were, I, I grew up Southern Baptist. My dad was a preacher, so much religious trauma. Not even funny. That's going to be a literal whole book on religious mm-hmm. trauma in this County and the things that were done in the name of the Lord from masons and preachers and all of that stuff that was made my childhood horrible mm-hmm. um but so we were there we were in it and I took my we took our children before so we're kind of a blended family the oldest was is Coles by um biologically and then the two younger ones are mine biologically and then he adopted them mm-hmm. and then honestly we just all kind of entwined together well I was taking them to church every Sunday constantly from the time from birth as soon as they were able to go mm-hmm. and I was always teaching the one thing I did not do was leave them I always talked with them so I thought it was what I was supposed to do just from the brainwashing that being ingrained in you as a child but I still knew that something wasn't right even though trauma was hiding it because of how trauma works in the body mm-hmm. and it has just more recently brought out this all these realizations of my childhood but I still knew it somewhere deep down. And then me and Cole got married and he still knew it somewhere deep down from stuff that he saw at church whenever he was little. Like his mama was my Bible school teacher growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So like we, we, he did not have the same experience I had in church and it wasn't at the church that mm-hmm. we went to together as mm-hmm. far as sexual trauma. That was, that was the next church and so on. But he saw the hypocrisy. I mean, he saw that when his brother passed away, how he, how the family was treated because of addiction. Mm. They had, they have seen what Christians act like that Christian. Hey, what is it that saying there ain't no love like Christian hate or ain't no love, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest, that is a loaded, that is a, a powerful statement. Yeah. Especially when you've lived it. And I imagine you have too. I have. Absolutely. I have family members that have targeted me just for multiple reasons. Um, but two of them are so heavily involved in the Republican party, but also their church. Like I'm pretty sure my uncle's a deacon. Oxymoron. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my uncle's a deacon and get this. My grandpa passed in November. We just finally had his service, uh, last month, month before. Something like that. So my parents are from the same hometown and my dad's little brother is best friends with my mom's little brother. So I knew that both sides of my family would be there. Some of my uncles might show up. Sure enough, they do. Um, they did not speak to me. They did not look at me. I mean, at my grandma's funeral in 2018, I was in the receiving line. They gave my mother a hug and said, I'm so sorry for your loss, blah, blah, blah skipped me and then went next to my uncle and I just looked at them and I looked at my mom and she was just like don't just don't make don't I wasn't about like I was going to make a scene or anything she was just basically like don't even approach it don't even don't even bother yourself with it kind of like how did you not how did you not I mean it just it boggles my mind that they can sit there and claim that they're Christians and mm. that they read this book that I know what it says <laughs> and I'm like what it doesn't say <laughs> I don't I don't get it and I, I will say this too 
it does fucking bother me that my parents still associate with them, you know, yeah. but why would you continue to, assume, I don't give a shit that I'm 40 years old and, you know, maybe my parents just think that, oh, well, she's an adult and that's her thing. That's their thing. That's not us. I'm your child. If, if I had a kid, I don't give a fuck how old they are. If someone was mean to my kid, I wouldn't have them in my life. No, I agree. It wouldn't matter if if you had siblings that were rude to your kids because they're gay or trans or just because they don't like the look they gave them yesterday. If they were mean to them, you'd speak up. And if you set some boundaries and they didn't follow those boundaries of respect and kindness, I don't think you'd be around them anymore, ever. Why do you think that they do that? Because that's, that's a narrative that is for most people that kind of turn the blind eye, just keep the peace, don't make waves. which is typically my demeanor but it's not that anymore so what is the point for some people like your mom what point does that change I don't know I don't know and I've I've had to have some conversations with her over the last decade at least about the lack of like you don't defend me you don't stick up for me like Mm -hmm. I you're the you are my person mother like I'm your only child come on um you avoid the topic She's just at your expense though. Exactly. Exactly. So what happened in the latest fight you got into? Well, I didn't (laughs) tell her yet. She had, so she had an aneurysm in November Mm -hmm. and you know, it it did bring up a lot of stuff for me. And I, I did have a conversation with her about like, you know, there is still stuff lingering. And she did say she was sorry, um, that there were some things that, yeah, she could have done differently, but it was just the she was trying not to rock the boat. She was trying to just make sure that everyone, you know, stayed, stayed calm and peaceful. But the only person that you ever said anything to, to try to keep the peace was me. And it was for me to contain myself or to not defend myself or not use my words, not flip people off, whatever. Like, you know, I'm, (laughs) I feel like I'm as reactionary sometimes as I am Mm -hmm. because it wasn't allowed to express myself in those moments. So now someone hurts my feelings, pisses me off, excludes me. I'm like, oh, gloves coming off. Guess what, motherfucker? (laughs) But they don't even respect what it took to get there and the damn punches that you received to get you to the point of being able to defend yourself. Yeah. Not, not, not starting fights. You're not going around instigating anything. You are just trying to defend yourself. And it took a lot for you to mm-hmm. get to this point. And the only person getting any relief is everybody but you. Yep. By you yep. keeping your mouth shut. You're the only one feeling uncomfortable. Everybody else is comfortable and thinks that they won somehow. Yep. And that's why after Christmas of 2019, I very calmly looked at my mom and I said, never again. Oh, I'm not doing family holidays. I'm not doing family Christmases. I'm done. It's not happening. And she just said, okay. So it kind of got like left in that. Release whenever you did that. How did you a feel little. when you did that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I did feel good. I'm going to take my yeah. sweater off now. I'm getting warm talking about uh, this. It did. It felt, it felt good because at least I wasn't getting the pushback. Oh, it's not that bad. Or why would you think that it wasn't anything like that? It, yeah, you but, but then it it also felt really telling that she was so accepting of it, that she, the fact that she got it right away, it was like, oh, so Mm -hmm. you understand why I don't want to subject myself 
to this mental anguish and the, the, the days or even weeks that it would take to just build myself back up after interacting with extended family. Like, I don't need that. Right. I don't need that. No, I shouldn't have to recover. Just thinking from of everything you, yes. Recover from it. And then constantly go over in your head, everything you wish you would have said, how you would have done it differently. And now you're writing a letter to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that. I get this. Yeah. That's how it is with Robin. It was like that amount of acceptance that, you know, that's not how they are. You know, that's not how your mom is. Something had to happen to get them to that place. And that had to be pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is what's happening in this world today. Yep. It is. But so two people out of, God, there's very few of them that are actually getting it enough to say, you know what? I love you and I'm not going to be a bystander anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not going to put you in the middle of it. Yeah. Do you think your mom ever actually said anything to these family members or it was just, Doubtful. this is the way to make sure that nothing happens if I just let have this? <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I really doubt it. Um, but I mean, like this last Christmas was still kind of weird because she was still in recovery and mm-hmm. we didn't try to go do anything still because um, we we're kind of trying to limit our exposure during that time to other people. So what I happened still, this past time you saw them? Um, so I haven't actually hung out with my parents very much lately. I've, I have tried to create some casual distance. They did come over a couple of times since we've bought our new house to, you know, of course, okay. see it. My, now my mom. Thank you, mom. She did give me some money from my grandfather's estate from his insurance policy to, to help pay for the down payments. So I'm, you know, appreciative. Your of mom, that was stuff, she able to be at your grandfather's? Yeah, she was. Well, so, cause again, with him, he, actually, he died while she was passing. still in the hospital and then yeah, that's um, I remember having the that. service okay. later. Yeah. Having the service yeah, yeah, later, yeah. but like, uh, you know, they've come, I, I actually am about to have a conversation with her to say, I think that I need to set a boundary that I need you to watch the January 6th commissions before I'll have another conversation with you. Okay. I've been been sending her links and she hasn't watched them yet. So now I'm just going to find like the short one, like eight or nine minutes. Just let's just find the summation of it. You know, (laughs) let's find the highlight reels. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to say like, okay, we're going to watch episode one. Or, or hearing one and we're going to talk about it. We're going to watch hearing two and three of them. I feel like there's not enough room, I think, in this world for us to simply abandon everyone that's not already on our side. I think we've still got to pull some people mm-hmm. over, even if it's just closer to the middle. I think my right. dad is too far gone. I think that despite me being queer, despite me being a sex educator, despite the fact that uh, you know, I'm very public with what I do. I mean, I'm holding vulva puppets and news <laughs> articles and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he you're owning your sexuality and it's so beautiful. You're not only owning it, you are projecting it into the world where it belongs. Thank you. That is a Thank beautiful you. thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And like, it's this weird, I think that he does actually support what I do. I don't think that my dad would label me a groomer. I mean, my dad's had a lifelong subscription to Playboy. So he's at least semi-sex positive. And they never tried to really shut me and my sexuality down. But like, no. um, what pushed it over the edge? But they're one? still, I don't know. They're still voting. They've Rush Limbaugh's what made my dad a super conservative. He mm. was semi-conservative when he was younger, but anyway, and that's also what drives me crazy about a lot of these conservatives out there is a lot of them have a habit or two that if their fellow conservatives knew about it, they wouldn't be quite so kind and accepting of it. 
No, no. This is, I saw something the other day that said, maybe all of our porn histories need to be public. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how, how uh, inclusive and <laughs> very, very eclectic people are. Oh, Erin, have you, there's, there's data scientists all over out there. Have you seen how the states with like the most restrictive, mm-hmm. um, like social policies, whether that was around abortion or like pre, you know, some states, you know, did have constitutional amendments or mm-hmm. laws on the books banning gay marriage. They had, those oh, states yeah. had the highest incidences of viewing gay porn. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. All the Southern oh red goodness, states. That data all is amazing. All the Southern red states watch way more gay porn than even California. Right. And which I think is awesome because learning, absolutely learn it. I mean, I would prefer you to be very ethical and purchase your porn. That is a huge thing for me. Yes. <laughs> Please be ethical yeah. about your porn and sex workers because it's important. But the only thing that scares me in, in watching some of this data is again, the fed is the fetishization mm-hmm. because that becomes dangerous too. Yeah. Yes, it does. It and so does. that is the only thing I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, see all you people, y'all, whatever. Just shut up. Just shut up. Like, do you know how uh, your, your phone's not even that private? Like it would right. be no problem to get all of your data out of there. And I promise you, you wouldn't want it being broadcast at church on Sunday morning while you're talking shit about everybody else. Erin, you're giving me ideas. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. The evil scheme. They're not evil. Gosh dang it. Human rights. That's like white hat stuff, you know, like like white hat hackers, right? We need need an anonymous. Anonymous, can you please just get get out there and release every Southern Baptist preacher's internet browser history? Mine with it because I don't even give a damn because I ain't got nothing to hide. So if it's that matter, just go ahead. I'm, I'm cool with it. Because I what, could put what a banner really scrolling above my head. Anyway. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I do not give a fuck. You want to see what I research? Great. You're I research some crazy confused. shit. <laughs> you're yes. very, yeah, you're going to be very good. And you're going to be very busy because my mile, my mind runs 1 billion miles a minute. So you're going to you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just going to yeah, take notes. But take I don't have nothing to hide. And I know you do. I know y'all do. Mm-hmm. And... It's the things that scare me about that are the things that are not legal. We're not talking gay, queer. We're not talking right. trans. We're talking non-consensual or non-consensual mm-hmm. and definitely not within age limits that mm-hmm. are, but that are lowering. That's a whole nother issue in this country is now consent laws are lower. All the things that just make you like not able to eat food. Yeah. 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 Well, on that note, <laughs> we actually didn't even take a break here in the middle. That's okay though. Oh, I'll put, I'll okay. put one in. I'll throw one in. Okay. Um, I'll figure out a spot to put one. So, but that yeah. leads, leads us to the, the last segment of the show, which I introduced a couple months ago, which is ask coach Kristen anything. So this is your time. I mean, you are a clinical sexologist, so, you know, I'm not looking, I don't think that you're going to end up asking me a question like you don't know the answer to, but again, since I work in a slightly different focus field being relationships and uh, dating things like that, than you do. Um, do you have a question for me? Uh, something you would like answered, ask for a friend, or you can even ask me something where you just want my second opinion on or backing you up on something. 
Okay, let me see. I have one. I think we've actually hit on something on that one. Um, oh my goodness, there's so many different topics here. Let's think. You're more, what, what would be your youngest client as far as relationships go? Do you I ever mean, get like youth or college I age? I don't, I haven't had anyone who's been a paying client who's been younger than college aged. Yeah, I've definitely had some people reach out on the internet or send me an email. They're like, hey, I'm in high school and you know, yeah, I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got a great partner and we're ready to do our first time. And you know, what do you recommend? So that's kind of yeah. what I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. That is more, or any age, more young that hasn't has as many experiences. What has been the thing that you have been most shocked to see that they do not inherently know about sex? Hmm. Trying to think here. I mean, I think that there has been, there's been a lot of people, I think, okay, here's one. I think that a lot of people haven't inherently inherently understood about sex is that, um, you don't have to just go from like making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or partner. We don't, I don't even know what you would say. Can I ask as a, what would your non-binary child call their significant other if they were also non-binary? Uh, just partner. Just we partner. use okay. partner. We, yeah, we mostly use partner in this okay. house. Cool. Um, so you don't have to go from just making out with your partner to then doing oral or digital simulation and then having intercourse, like penetrative intercourse, and then only do penetrative intercourse after that. I think what a lot of young people seem to be coming to me asking the most about is painful intercourse. Oh, And when I start asking questions about, well, what about foreplay? Are you still, well, they stopped doing things like fingering or playing with the clitoris or hand job, all the things that got them sort of warmed up and ready, they stopped Mm -hmm. doing. And then they're wondering why they're having painful intercourse. It's like, so I think that is the biggest thing is they're not understanding the sexual response cycle and how especially people assigned female at birth or female bodies or uterus owners, however you want to put mm-hmm. it, that okay. we need more time to be ready for penetration. It, we should not just be jumping straight into intercourse. We, we yeah. need lube. We need a little time. Uh, it's not about romancing us. It's literally our bodies need to warm up to be ready for intercourse. Now is your state an abstinence only education? I think yeah. it may have become so a lot that of that because it used to that. be, it used to not be. Mm. Oh, maybe I mean, since it turned red. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I got, I got full on sex education. I, I had, parenthood, sure? yeah, I had parenthood class what? my senior year. I had to do a report about Depo Provera. I had to do the empathy belly. I had to carry around the digital baby that you put, like we had a hospital yeah. tag on our wrist with a key. So that we couldn't mm-hmm. take it off. Uh, like you had to walk around for two days with this fake baby. What about pleasure? Focus? Was there anything based, no. anything no. on pleasure? Yeah. It was so, mostly production. But you got STI education and things like yes. that. Though. STI yeah. and reproduction. Education. There was some talk about health. I do remember now. There was some talk about healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she definitely was like, you girls, then you guys like learned, you know, it's about respect and you don't yeah. talk badly to and your then, partner. And you like, kinda. don't, yep. 
Yep. You don't do anything. If your partner says they don't want to have anal sex, then don't, you don't get to have anal sex. <laughs> She's just sweet little okay. old, like so it wasn't a lady. shaming, ba- it wasn't shame based. Yeah. She was up there. Like when I did Depo Provera, here's some of the side effects I had. When oh, I did an oh, IUD yeah. and <laughs> some of us were like, ah, la, la, la. you don't want to hear this from this little 80 year old lady that she seriously yeah. had some sort of condition. That if you touched her wrong on her arm, she'd get a bruise. Like she was oh. fragile, like a bird. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she was so in that moment, I, there were definitely things I was grossed out by, but my perspective now is thank goodness for her. Bless her. Oh my goodness. We would have loved to learn from her at our age now. She was like, oh, what was Dr. Sue Johnson that did the late night night sex talk show. Definitely the matriarchy. Mm -hmm. One of the ones, one of the very, very pivotal people in this field. Yes. Yes. We got to meet, hang out with a lot. We got, we got to know some of the best education from right out of their mouths and I just like you said yeah that will never be forgotten yeah and we always got to keep getting it out there and teach others that's right while I'm sad I never got to meet Betty Dodson in person I it's my hope that people like you and I when Mm we reach that age that that people are talking about us like man I got to do this (laughs) <laughs> workshop one time with her and she helped me learn so much about myself or how to be a better parent my my trans kids and yeah well, we're definitely going to be that leaders is, out here don't panic that is as simple as don't panic allow them space and it's not their place to teach you is that I mean that is the simplest thing ever to be a parent to lgbt kids it is not hard the hardest part is finding someone to support i do suggest p flag mm-hmm for parents um, and allies and siblings and guardians and whoever, mm-hmm. but the encourage and don't and, and learn and don't expect them to teach you. Yeah. Ask questions, but at the same time, don't expect that they, it's not their place. Yeah. Yeah. It's your place to go out and learn yeah. and be there for them. I see a lot of that frustration in the kids whenever they feel like they have to talk and teach constantly. It's like they're trying to learn too. So learn on your own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. PFLAG is a wonderful national resource. I'll, I'll definitely Absolutely. put a uh, link to PFLAG and the Trevor Project. I got to meet the co-founder of the Trevor Project a couple of months ago. I got, to meet Peggy, I, I got to meet Peggy Ricecheck. She came to Kansas City for the Kansas City Pride Breakfast at UMKC. She was the keynote speaker. So I, of course, went up and found her afterwards and just shook her hand and said, thank you. And appreciate So I do crisis counseling. I volunteered mm-hmm. there, do a crisis counseling for them, but I'm not going to meet anybody. I want to meet somebody. <laughs> that uh, is beautiful. I got to come hang out with you. You get to do all the cool stuff. <laughs> I should have taken a selfie, but I was just so into like, just trying to say hello to her in the moment. Did you I know, I don't have one have. picture of me and Patty. I really? was so in the moment. No, I have like very few pictures. I don't think of I have a picture of her either. I, I took a picture for her uh-huh. because we rode with her whenever we went to the pleasure chest. Yeah. So we, you know, we got to know each other pretty good. And she, she was so sweet. She called like when I had a heart attack and she called whenever Mac was diagnosed with cancer. And there, I mean, she's been super, super, super amazing, Yeah. but I did not get one dang picture except with the group picture. I have our group yeah. picture, which is beautiful, of course. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll all get to go to aspects or something together yeah. one day over in Warsaw. <laughs> 
I know. Poland scares me a little bit. Yeah, but the adult side of Poland. We'll be out in the (laughs) woods. I mean, it's not going to be like midsummer where we're. (laughs) But. We don't want that. (laughs) Anyway. Well, Karen. cool until it wasn't. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, Erin, this has been an absolute pleasure. I learned a lot. I'm sure that my listeners will have, will learn a lot too. So, you know, if, if someone out there wanted to reach out to you, whether it's for your services or they're the parent of a, a non-binary or a queer teen, and they need some resources or support, how do they find you? Okay. So I am on all the social media platforms and it's E-R-I-N, Erin. Wallace, W-A-L-L-I-S. Um, some of it will be Aaron B as in Blair Wallace. Um, you can also email me at E-B-W-A-L-L-I-S, the number five at gmail.com. Um, I think that's about it. And I'm a horrible public speaker. I'm horrible at the speaking thing. So definitely if you have any questions, I'm really good one-on-one, but I have nerves like nobody's business when it comes to stuff like this. And I don't know why. <laughs> you didn't sing in a church choir, did you? I did. I did. <laughs> I absolutely did. I don't know why. That's where I, that's where I learned to overcome my nerves with church choir. Oh, I did not. That, that pushed me way down. <laughs> at this point, it's no, something I'm so passionate about. I get so nervous. Am I going to get everything across? And it just, it's ADD or whatever is wrong with my brain. <laughs> I still sweat when I speak in public. I do. I right. Profusely or like my upper lip will start sweating. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, but it's the thing, because I love it. I love it. This is my thing. I love to educate, but I just get, so I get overwhelmed easy when it comes to stuff like this for some reason. So definitely reach out to me. I still have the education, even if I don't seem like it when I'm talking. <laughs> no, you are fabulous. And again, Erin can work with anyone anywhere because we're coaches and we can do that so that's right (laughs) I'm licensed but I don't like it so we'll just stick with the coaching (laughs) you know I'm I'm probably gonna go ahead and get my master's and probably even my PhD you know Mika's just finishing her one of our classmates um, Mika Stapleberg she's finishing up her master or PhD right yeah, Northwestern. So. I think she did finish her master's, master's. when she was finishing. So I got into the yeah. PhD program, but I have not finished that completely. I <laughs> still work in there. Even when I do that, though, I'm still going to work under the coaching model. It's, it's what I like. It's no, my PhD is, is in gender and sexuality. So mm-hmm. it, you don't have to have a license. It's just more of that, you know, you know it all <laughs> kind yes. of thing. Yes. Plus, I think Dr. Thomas has a good ring to it. So, of course, <laughs> you bring in a lot to the table. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. All right well, yeah. Thank you again so very, very much for joining me on thank Keep you. Them Coming. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you the best. And I, I do hope to see your smiling face in person again. I'm going to a couple of conferences coming up. So maybe we need to coordinate and hit up one of these conferences together. Let's do it. I'm okay. ready. You t- send me your um, itinerary and I will what I can mix in. Perfect. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. 
send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.